Hey, this is Matt from the Death Watch podcast. You're listening to Fully and Completely on the Modern Superior Network. Hi there, this is Greg LeGrow. And this is Jamie Dew. Of Fully and Completely. You're listening to... Hello and welcome to Fully and Completely, the podcast where every two weeks we explore an album from a seminal Canadian band, The Tragically Hip. We are going through their discography in chronological order. We are talking about the events of, in Canada of the time, pop culture, the albums that were re- released around it, what was going on, what influenced the album coming, who produced it, all kinds of stuff so you can understand the world of the year that that album dropped in. Uh, we've been cruising along and we are at 1996, Trouble at the Hen House. Greg. What? Welcome to 1996. Whoa! Please take off your boots at the door. <laughs> Were you wearing boots in 96? Definitely wearing yeah. boots in I was, I was wearing some sort of boot. Some Doc Martens going yeah, on. I absolutely. had more than one pair. Yeah. Yeah. 1996. What a year. Holy yeah. Jesus. Good golly. Your name is Jamie Dew. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I'm Jamie. Hi. Hi. I'm Greg LeGros. <laughs> I'm sweaty. Yeah, it's warm today. I yeah, have the AC on. It's gonna, beautiful. It's going to get to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, this is fully and completely. Thanks for listening to us. What were your tallest pair of Doc Martens? I had eight holes. Huh? I never went higher than eight holes. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I had um, a pair of like 20-hole Converse Chuck Holy Taylor. shit. Oh, the folds over? Yeah. Yeah, the, the fold I had overs, a pair of those. Yeah, they yeah. were turquoise, though. Oh, so. mine were white with some stripey thing going on. Oh, that out. was cool. Yeah, it was they, okay. they never made like badass ones. No. That I saw. No, you no, know? the foldy over was, yeah. Yeah, it was hard. like turquoise on the outside and yellow on the inside. Yeah, so and I wanted like, it real bad. And then I got it and I was like... I've chosen poorly. <laughs> wasn't happy with it. Uh, that was in my uh, way younger years, so that mm-hmm. was probably like back when the EP came out yeah. for me that I was wearing those. Yeah. Oh yeah. This yeah. was this just is... this was straight up like black. Yeah. I think I even had the soft leather ones. Like they, I was never, oh, I was okay. never tough with my boots. I, I had a pair of twelvesies, some twelve. Really? Oh yeah. Those were less common they to were, find. They were they were big. Uh, or was it twelve? No, it was fourteen. Me. Was it twelve? Fourteen? Twelve. Yeah, anyway. Dr. Martin, if you're they were, listening. They were a bit too tall. I had a pair of 10s, though. 10 holes that I loved. 10. 10 yeah. is good. Eight, yeah. eight and 10 is good. You can yeah. wear your jeans over top of them That's if you right. want. Yeah, yeah. Trick people into think you're wearing just three holes. Yeah, you know? no, sir. Look at this. <laughs> I'd wear them with shorts, though. Oh, well, there you go. That. Yeah. Not in the winter, I hope. No. Okay, that's no, good. No, no. Well, though, I'd be lying if I told you I didn't do the... Uh, long underwear and shorts combo. Really? Sure did. You were one of them? I did. So this was... I think I'd written some band names on my... What era is this? <laughs> this is like 94. Okay, okay. That's 94. Okay, okay that's Come 94. on. You had Come like, on. This is 96. We're all grown up here. You had nautical disaster that's right. scrawled yeah, yeah, across yeah. here. <laughs> across them. <laughs> Gord fucking yeah. Downey. Hey, yeah. I sent you that picture today. This I is kind of cool. Jeff Ament, uh, yeah. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. We're recording this um, at the uh, in the middle of July. And mm-hmm. Pearl Jam is playing a European concert. And then they're coming back to the States. So I'm going to go watch them in Wrigley Field. Huh. And that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. But they played a show. Wrigley Field? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to Chicago. Cool. Yeah, you have to tell me where to get the best Chicago dog. Yeah. Um, Near Wrigley Field. Well, that's probably a good place, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jeff Ament is wearing this shirt on stage uh, for the concert. And it says on it, and just it's just a black shirt with mm-hmm. white lettering. It mm-hmm. says Gord fucking Downey. Yeah. That's really something. And I thought that was pretty. He, I guess more than any... Uh, no, any other non-Canadian that I could think of is that had quite a bit to say about Gord and the hip 
Uh, Jeff Emmett? Yeah. Oh, he I did haven't. a thing on in Rolling Stone where, like, you know, the, the best stuff he's listened to this year, and he talked about Introduce Yourself and a couple of tracks off of that that were big favorites for him, and how he just cried through his entire first listen. And um, it, I, I can't remember if this quote was then from just after Gord was diagnosed or after his passing, talking about the hip and Pearl Jam and saying, uh, you know, the, as the two bands. Uh, he felt that they shared a trajectory, but never really didn't cross paths as much as he thought that they might have or should have, perhaps. Anyways, clearly yeah. uh, interested and a big fan, and uh, understands the depth of the this is the emotion in it. So I don't want to besmirch the conversation that we just had, but no. this is very Canadian of us, really, in, yeah. a, in a weird way, right? Yeah, like I to know. be sort of like, I know you've you know like <laughs> you've got the flag in your backpack. I know you do. <laughs> I know you've got a U.S. passport, but you've got the flag in your backpack. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, so, I'm, so I'm a recovering American. Yeah. yeah. So, but to me, that's just so Canadian that we're just like. Project liked our band, right? Yeah, yeah. Project liked our band. I cannot but, help it. I but, wish I didn't do that, but, but I cannot help. But it. I started it. I was just like uh, the bass player. But it's Pearl super Jam's cool. Shirt. It is cool, and I'm in, and I'm interested in you know in, in that global effect of this. Like, where is it now? Now, yes. I mean, in, in in all this tragedy of this, like, will more people hear his music now? You know, and hear hear there are boys. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I hope so. Yeah, I I understand that they're they just did a party and they they've started to talk about yeah i read potentially that, playing I read music again too. well not as the not hip, as the hip yeah, but they're like they're we're all but musicians to pick up you know? to pick up their instruments yeah. and play and i thought wow that's, well, that's great that's and they pretty should cool. they yeah. absolutely should so what were you doing in uh 96, 96 then? well i was finishing high school okay oh yeah this is the end of high school here so it's like a mixed emotions times definitely a time of change in my life and uh examining uh uh, where I'm, where I've come from, where I'm going, a lot of that going on, you know, the, the malaise of the end of your teens. And, uh, so I think this was kind of the perfect record, uh, for them to put out at this time for me. Um, so yeah, it was the end of high school. I was, uh, definitely ready to be done with high school, <laughs> you know, uh, it was, I was over it. <laughs> All the teen drama I could handle. It was really, it was, yeah, it was totally something. I had, uh, cut off my long hair and still had my boots. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like time of change and it's a, and it's just the musical landscape is changing deeply in 1996. Not for the better. I don't remember. Uh, this is the end of the golden age. Yeah. Now we have dynamite albums in this year, but we can also sense that uh, it's the end. There's a record that came out this year that really changed the game for me going forward. Mm -hmm. Music that I enjoyed, but yeah, by and large, I think the stuff that was playing on the radio. Yeah, it was really bad. Mainstream radio and was this is the, the beginning of me checking out on new music, and I really went backwards. Did you spell new and you? I sure did. Oh, my God. Um, I just, I lost all in, oh, like, there's no good new, uh, 96 is different. 96 is all good stuff, but like the, like 97, 98, 99. That's right. We are in like the dog shit yes. years. Yes, Um And I just, I, I really drove further backwards into genres I was already like a little bit into I got very into so like my interest in punk and metal exploded and uh and uh, underground 80s stuff and 80s alternative I dug deeper and deeper into anyway 96 though has some enormous records the score Fuji's that's a pretty big one big album that I'm not a huge fan of I I, everyone gets upset when I say that but I'm like it's fine it just when Lauren Hill's doing stuff on the album i'm interested when those other two guys start doing shit i don't 
It's it's, it's never been my genre. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I, I love hip hop, and I should love this, but I don't. I love the Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. That's one of the best hip hop albums I've ever heard in my life. Really good, inescapable. But yeah, that's so. That's my controversial comment right now. Is I feel like the score is a little bit overrated. Anyway, sorry. Uh, introducing DJ Shadow. It's a groundbreaking a giant record. DJ yeah. album. Still amazing to this day. And uh, pretty much everyone's pick for album of the year, 1996, Odelay by Beck, which was a... That was a lot of fun. A maverick move. Yeah. Maverick. Right. Oh, my God. And it still sounds fresh and amazing I just remember today. seeing that record cover and just being like, oh, yeah. what is this? Yeah, yeah. And coming off of Mellow Gold, which, like, he should have just been one and done. Yeah, I would say so. Like, right? lo- and I like you know, Mellow Gold. Mellow Gold is fine. But, but lots of slide guitar on it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, it and seemed, he's doing Beck things. If yeah. you listen to it now, you can go, you can connect the dots. Yeah. But at the time, it really did feel. Yeah, it's just a hodgepodge crazy album, and it all landed heavily on Loser being so enormous. Yeah, I don't know so how we got no that monkey off back. No one could have Nobody. Nobody no, could have. Nobody. And no. cements his future. Uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi, R.E.M., uh, not their biggest record, but a very no. good one. Um, so I'll go through this fairly quick. This is a big hip hop year. This is an enormous hip hop year. I didn't really even think about that, but obviously we already talked about Fuji's and the score, which although I'm not a huge fan of, I understand its impact and its impact and importance, and I would never uh, shy away from that. Uh, Tupac Shakur, All Eyes on Me, huge album, huge, significant, massive. Outcast, AT Aliens, um, not really. A, Big at the time, but got bigger over time because the is that next the first album one? is uh, oh, no, no, no. It's the second one, but they really they they expanded their sound and what was going to be Outcast really really reared its head here because um, then uh, Aquemini is next and that's okay. where things that's start to really blow right. up. Um, Beats, rhymes, and life. Tribe called Quest. Not well received, but uh, people look back on it fondly. It was written. Nas. You know, it's not uh, Illmatic, but still pretty good. Tool. Enema. Evil Empire. Rage Against the Machine. Reasonable Doubt. Jay Z. Another big one. Uh, no Code. Pearl Jam. Misunderstood album. I'd I say. I think so too. Yeah. yeah. Um, Pinkerton. Weezer. Uh, that's a storied album, indeed. My uh, favorite. One of my favorite records of all time. Yeah, and an absolute. Failure uh, at the time, <laughs> just so uh, weird. Which is super weird. Uh, Buster Rhymes for a solo album. That's an interesting story too. That's for another time though. And all kind of what I don't know. There's another Brian Adams album for some reason. Um, <laughs> hey, dude's got to eat. Yeah, that's right. Feed him. Um, Load Metallica. There's an interesting time in life. That was yes. wow. They took a lot of flack. Yeah. Um, but this is the, le- the like this is the, I'm scrolling now and like when we've done previous years. Yeah. I've really, I've kind of had to name everything that I saw there. You know what I mean? And uh, this one, I'm like, I'm skipping over. I don't need to bring it up. Did no, whatever, no one cares did, about what Underworld came out in 96. Did whatever and ever AMN come out in 96 or was that 97? Oh, that's 97. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Murder Ballads, Nick Cave. There's a big one. And uh, Pantera, The Great Southern Trend Kills, a fucking dynamite album. Anyway, yeah, things are changing though. And we've had this thing like... If you could make it to this point, these are mostly new artists, too. You'll notice, like, other than a couple of mainstay hip-hop acts like Tribe Called Quest, most of this, these are people on their first or at most third album that I just mentioned here. Obviously an R.E.M. But there's, the if you made it through, if you survived, if you particularly if you started in the 80s and you survived 91 to 95 and your albums are still recognized or people are still buying them, then you're going to make it. Because a lot of these bands imploded, and it was over by 97 or 98, right? You didn't hear a lot more from Candlebox. No, it was all done. And yeah. everyone's like, yeah. hey, man, this sucks. 
<laughs> but even the good bands started to fall apart. Yeah. You know, like uh, Soundgarden really nosedive. Absolutely. Big time. You know, there was a lot of hype and it was, a, but it was, you know, it's an interesting experiment when we went through all the, uh, the excess of the 80s, which is uh, kind of pigeonholing the 80s a little bit, but there was obviously a lot of like pop and image and everything like that going on. And the grunge revolution was this big about face on that. And, but is, you know, you put all these, artists and weirdos and junkies on the cover of the Rolling Stone magazine and like things are going to fall apart. And that's a lot of the reason why, you know, if you think of the big bands, uh, everyone's dead. <laughs> that's uh, the grunge so move. They're all up. like, the, it's just Eddie Vedder and somewhere Billy Corgan going, Hey, I'm still alive too. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and that's it, you know, anyway. So, surviving through this time and still being able to punch out a big song is not just a little significant and and not uh, uh untelling of the kind of future you're going to have as a, a musician at this point if you've made it this far you're going to you're kind of built to last so i think the hip could have coasted at this point right i mean it's like banger album like embraced adored beloved critically acclaimed album more so and more so every single release and so here we are which could be the first like meh. We did. I, we, you would almost think they were exhausted. You know, day for night being such an exploration. They've been such on a, the they've been on the road nonstop. <clears throat> totally. They've been they've been pushing their sonic boundaries, doing different things. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. they perfected the bar sound. They went and created a slick produced record based on that bar sound. Yeah. It sounds like a greatest hits record. Yeah. Then they stripped it down, but still really created a produced super record. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. They're like, how are they not? How are they not uh, on the ropes at this point? Yeah. Or not just, or just repetition. You know? Right. Day for night two. Yeah. Or even more psychedelic. Like the 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 uh, that you could so easily just slip into noodling. You know. And there's not a lot of noodling on this. On no, this no, no, no. Absolutely. It's a, it's a really different side. Like, and it's almost it's almost telling how day for night is everything is so blue tinged in that it's through the music it's the album cover everything about it is murky and blue and this album is red very interesting really there's a feel and it hangs out for the entire album but it's different you know it's a it's it's kind of like a a vacuum year like i'm we go through these albums and there's things a lot of these that i owned and liked very good albums but it's also a little like eh, uh, do i still listen to them i don't know not not a lot of them um, you know, and what happened in 96, not a ton, you know, we we're all reeling for the death of Cobain still a bit and like all of everything that was built up for the nineties to be is kind of like, well, is this it? Is this really, this is the dream of the nineties? We all, all right. And the news wise, it's just not, it's not a crazy year. Like we had, you know, like we go about the fully completely year. The news, it was insane what was going on. We're yeah. still, it's still Jean Cretin, you know, yeah. the Stanley cup. This year, I don't. It's it's barely even. Like that's not, like new, that's not even something to talk about. Is that like New Jersey and Detroit or something? Uh, like that, or? Colorado <clears throat> over uh, Florida. Okay, yeah, pretty blah. Yeah, I don't. Florida know. had I the don't rats. Have to say there, Florida had the rats. Colorado had Ray Bork. Yeah, great. You know, but uh, <laughs> um, I'll tell you some news stories. Here, I'll tell you some sports stories. Uh, of anything of interest? Certainly, you must have a the, CFL the Los them. Angeles Kings trade Wayne Gretzky to the St. Louis St. Louis Blues. Okay, so uh, that really—I mean, not to put too fine a point on this—no, but that really says everything that, that crystallizes what you just yeah, said. Yeah, and from Tinseltown. Yep. To the Midwest, yeah. to the you know, like to the blues, man. To the, the blues. blues, so bad. And then, of course, uh, months later, Gretzky signs with the New York Rangers, which is 
pretty cool, but at that point, yeah, like, like I mean, this, you know, this yeah. is you know, this is Jordan playing for the Wizards. It's That's like, right. Eh, yeah, fine, interesting, yeah. but it's all you know, it is what it is. Should have played for the Leafs, but the Leafs couldn't put it together. Apparently, they yeah. weren't. They weren't going to pay him a million dollars. No, which God. is bonkers. I know. There's a couple of times where Toronto sports has just fucking shit the bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. We, how we, we we didn't bring Gretzky here? It could have been done. You pay him a million dollars. Just do the, do it. You're gonna you're gonna sell that many jerseys in the first oh forty God. seconds. Could you imagine? No, oh. <laughs> no. Oh and you're right. He would have been playing out the string, <clears throat> but he would have been playing it out on a Canadian team where mm-hmm. the focus would have been you know big time on him. Like yeah. Whereas Even if it's a victory lap. In New York, it was a it. victory lap with yeah. mess and, you yeah, know, yeah, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. Anyway. But it was messy, team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But, uh, and then the other one, uh, maybe we'll touch on it again in uh, episodes in the future, but uh, in the NBA, Steve Nash not coming to the Raptors when he was a free agent leaving Dallas. Well, he went to Phoenix, right? Phoenix, and where yeah. he won two back-to-back back to back MVP seasons. Right. And should have come over the ring, but there was poor officiating in the NBA in that period. Well, still. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to say. It was some garbage. <laughs> and uh, and I, I did read that he was interested. He wanted, he's a Canadian. He wanted to come here. We didn't even try. No offer on the table. Didn't even make an effort. That is. God, that's just, oh, he's still yeah, that's really weird. Yeah, that, one, that one bothers me, and it always will. Other than that, the Toronto Argonauts did win their 13th Grey Cup by defeating the Edmonton Eskimos in the 84th Grey Cup. Um, most valuable Canadian, Mike Vanderjet. Mike Vanderjet. He, uh, yeah, uh, famously had, went to the NFL and had the best... Uh, Stats ever best, for a kicker, yeah, right? Uh, like a completed field goals percentage ever, and then just sh- and would talk shit. He's the only kicker who talked shit, and then just... <laughs> And then just ate it in the playoffs. Really? He was part of the Peyton Manning team that could not get past the Patriots. Mike Van. Okay, that's yeah, right. Yeah, Vanderjet. Yeah, yeah. And he did fine. He had a fine career. Good for him. Uh, at least he got a great cup. And that's you know, that's your news. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about Mike Vanderjet. Yeah, it's it's pretty. <laughs> it's ninety six. It's like ah. And for me, it was even more. Blah, I'm like I'm ending high school. It doesn't. It didn't even feel like. And I'm out into the world. It was just like ah. Being somebody like a, who's a, being a somebody who's not um, a hip hop person, I mean, I admire a lot of what I hear when I'm when I'm told to listen to you know when I'm say, yeah. when somebody says you should go listen to this, right? I'm not dumb. I'll go listen to it and for like, sure. Oh shit, this is really good. But it just never took with me, and that's sort of where we started. Like I'm fully rock and roll, and this is mm-hmm. where the mainstream top forty yeah shifts shifts. Yeah, it it absolutely started to shift into hip hop, and then pop like like straight up pop yeah, music yeah. like toward the end of the decade yeah, yeah. Really i remember hearing weird. something uh, uh, perry farrell said at one point when he was like talking about the change from what the beginning of the 90s were and where they ended with you know the return of the boy band and backstreet boys and nsync and britney spears and stuff he's like are you surprised i mean they 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 let all the psychos in and let the 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 inmates run the asylum and they're all they're dying you know it's like they, they, it's too much of a liability they need to go back to the formula the safe you know like, so they just they can't have this this is nuts you know they can't let me be running around being, that's interesting and it's like yeah that's you know it's not it's i'm that's a lot of hyperbole but at the same time because it is very feral but at the same time he's not wrong <laughs> right <laughs> damn yeah, and it did. It was a hard shift, like a hard shift into that stuff, and also because the the uh, homogenized version of all of 
the, the 90s sound was horrifying. That's Matchbox 20 and Candlebox. And yes. no offense, listen, if you like those bands, I. That's fine. I, uh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But I don't. But, you know, but this is, it, it is a watered down thing, you know. And, uh, and even like, I find it funny. Like, I, uh, Stone Temple Pilots, well, <laughs> uh, hey, they have songs I like. I, I'm done with them at Purple. Like, well, yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah, actually, no. I think Tiny Music has some quality. I never, I never dug it. Really, I like but... that Big Bang Baby song a lot. All right. Okay. That was... Um, uh, but like, when, when it was happening, when you were there, it's like, you know, you had your Nirvana and your Soundgarden and your Alice in Chains and your Pearl Jam. And like, that was the, that's your tier, yes. right? Stone Temple Pilots were like the, hey, us two guys. They weren't like, <laughs> no one, it wasn't like for realsies, you know what I mean? But I find now when it's looked back on like the lens of either you weren't, you only know it through radio or, you know, like I don't, fondness of nostalgia. I don't know. But now like when people are like, yeah, you know, Nirvana and STP and stuff like that. No, 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 no you no, couldn't no, put no. them in the same. No, no, no. No, they wouldn't have been <laughs> the same. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm being harsh and catty, but I'm telling you. It wasn't the same thing. Um, but I digress. We're going off in all kinds of directions. So this 90s... Because this is interesting. And this is what people uh, apparently like about this show. They're like, I guys, they're so. interesting yeah. talking about this stuff. This is I'm really passionate cool. passionate about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to... And listen, I think they're very talented. Those Delio brothers and Stone Temple Pilots are very talented fellas. What's the Delio with those brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. I need to know. <laughs> so, um, Hen House, though. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's a curveball of an album. It is. It really is because there's all this uh, the 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 psychedelic uh, and dark exploration of uh, Day for Night, and it's, again, it's not a fully psychedelic album, but it gets there. And everything is such a, a of high texture, um, and then this is stripped back, and it feels stripped back right away, and it holds that, but it isn't. It's almost, it's almost, it's almost, um, what, how, how, how's the expression? It's, it's almost uh, two sides of the same coin or the same side of two coins, as it were. With day for night. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's my little, that's my, my theater nod for people. It's a line from a play. Uh, so, uh, and I, I, they share something, but they're the, op- oh, not necessarily the opposite, but they're definitely different perspectives. And you feel it right away with Gift Shop, and it holds true through the entire record. Although there's a little bit of like a shift up in tone, but we'll get there. But I feel like these albums are connected. I, I like think Night and Hen House really closely connected. are very much of the same hand. Anyway, so from a production standpoint, uh, we lose a producer on this one. Yes, we had Mark Howard on the last record with the Hip and Mark Vreekin. This record, we've got just the Hip, yeah, and Mark Vreekin, right. And I think you lose um, a voice, but in a in a really good way. I yeah. like I like what they did with this record. This is again more bedsheets over doorways and alcoves mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like looking the hip really trying to explore sound and and do different things mm-hmm. sonically. Yeah, it's a tighter. It, it feels like a tighter record though. Like it's twelve songs. Yeah, and. Uh, God, I don't know. Even for, for me, right at the very beginning, you look at the record cover mm-hmm. and I'm immediately thinking about a song from the previous record, which mm-hmm. is Yawning or Snarling. Sure. Because you've got this out dog focus, on the front yeah. and it's out of focus. And is this record supposed to be menacing or is this a dog that's going to come and just sniff your balls? Yeah. You know, like what's yeah. what's happening here? Yeah. Is this aggression or is this the end of the day and then you throw your eyes down to the to the bottom to the bottom right of the record and the name of that record is right there and it tells you there's some trouble at the hen house you know 
So again, though, is this dog there to protect against this trouble? Yeah. Or is it the trouble? Yeah. And I don't want to read too much into a fucking no, record but... cover, but like to <clears> me, right off the bat, it's like, I don't know. I could listen to this record front to back several times and come away with different vibes yeah. from an album perspective. Mm-hmm. I love this album cover. Yeah, I do too. This it's is good so work. It's so simple, but it, there's, it just stays there. I just remember, you know, the CD sitting amongst my collection forever, and it just always stands out, and something about those those color tones, that red, that yellow. What was the picture on the CD? Was this the one where it's like, or inside the jacket, was there, was it the one where there is a, a road going off into the per, into the perspective mm. of the lightning bolt? Oh, it's like a, it wasn't a hard case CD. It was one of the... No, it was a soft one, right. yeah. Let me see here. I'm not sure. I can't think of the inside right now. No, yeah, the CD was the album cover again. That's totally familiar. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. What are you thinking of? Well, so I'm I'm visualizing a road going off into the perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure there was a lightning bolt at the end of the road. I think it's for this record, and the reason I think this is because I was still in York University, and our computer labs were still pretty shitty, but the Tragically Hip was one of the first bands that I can remember visiting a website oh, wow. in 96. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was the hip.ca, and or maybe at that point it was the Tragically Hip.ca. Sure. Because they went with long names then. Yeah. And um, it took forever to load. And it was this <laughs> it was this picture of a road in perspective. So if anybody yeah. hears this and remembers what I'm talking about, and that was sort of how they announced this record, huh. that it was coming out. And it has to be this one because Phantom Power was done at York and Day for Night was my first year. So yeah. it has to be for this record. So if you remember that and yeah, yeah. Uh, you're thinking it, um, I don't know, tweet us or whatever. Yeah, yeah do something. <laughs> yeah. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> and use the hashtag Lightning Bolt Road. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, hashtag um, Lightning Bolt Road fully and completely podcast. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's easier than you think. It's 240 characters now. You, yeah, got, yeah, you got oodles of room yeah, to yeah, tell yeah. me the Come story on. after that. Stop wasting characters. Yeah. All right. So, um, where are we here? I think, are we, are we getting to track for track? Is it time? All right. Um,. Well, yeah, this is the one you go and buy right away. Um, 1034. It's 8.99. Yeah. Um, yeah, you spend your $10.34. I knew that so specifically because every cassette was 8.99 for years. Um, and, you know, there's there's no mishandling of how to sell this album. Uh, big anticipation, uh, big follow up to a big, big record in a series of big records. Obviously, the first single is Ahead by a Century, which uh, we will talk about when we get there, uh, which had everyone just frothing. Oh, my God. That's an, that is a just accomplished sound. Uh, really? Anyway, that single dropped, and we were all like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you pick the album up, you're excited, and first track is Gift Shop. Small 
This is a really good first track. It's a very good first track. It just fucking creeps in and yeah. sneaks up on you. Yeah. And then it just lands. And it's got these uh, backup vocals. That yeah. Just... Oh, oh, my God. Which are like the most Canadian backup vocals. Like CanCon doing ba-ba-da-ba is the most Canadian thing you could possibly do. <laughs> I think it was like a requisite from 1995 to 2000. You had to do that in one track on your album. Sloan did it. They totally did. Yeah, I, I, I'm that. pretty sure Thrush Hermit did it. Like, <laughs> it listen, it's a thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it sounds great every time. It, it really does. Yeah. It's, it's um, God, this song is, this song has a beautiful lull and yes. a dangerous tug. Oh, my and God. And it, and it, and it, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, it, it really, to me, really is a beautiful tug of war with uh, Grace 2. Mm-hmm. As far as as far as opening cuts for a record, oh yeah, um, I know you've give, you definitely give the nod to Grace too, just based on your your feelings about Grace yeah. too, and that's yeah. that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know where big. I would land. <clears throat> I don't know this where is I would a land. Huge opener, yeah, Maybe because it sets a tone that this isn't day for night. Yes, there is it's there is some patience being taken with how the song is going to you know dull out its moments, but it has a Swagger, oh my god, that isn't on. By the time it gets to the beginning of the second verse, which mm-hmm. is the pendulum swings and his cadence, oh. the way he delivers that, the yeah. pendulum swings, yeah. and you're just now we are in the album. You are welcome. You are there, right? Yeah. You've done this sort of slow burn open, mm-hmm. and again, you you can close your eyes and you can go, oh fuck, I can't wait to see this record live. Yeah. No, they're going to open. They're going to open with this shit. <laughs> And the house lights are going to yeah. sort of come up oh a little my God. bit, and it's going to yeah. make your brain explode. Yeah. It's going to be that fucking good. As it is. Lyrically, he, he's back. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he comes back with these really eloquent gordisms. Mm-hmm. You know, a terrorist made me say it, right? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. good Lord. What, yeah. what does this what is this yeah, all yeah. about? And this that's is... and that's an intense thing to say, you know. And uh, and then all this like thoughtful uh, minimalist things, like these little, you know, you, where, where you get to feel small for my Bob, you know, like these these observations of daily life. It's like you know, it's it's like it's like great George Carlin, you know. It's like it's hilarious and it's you can relate to it because you thought it yourself, but nobody said it the way that you wanted to say it to make it great. And it's also deeply dark underneath the surface. That's right. And, yeah, it's just wonderful. Um, it, 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 a huge opener. Uh, as good as uh, of an opener, opener as you can ask for. I think so. And in, in this is a band with a history of dynamite fucking openers. They just get putting yeah, a yeah, record yeah. together. It's important. 
I, I think, and you know, as we go through these songs, I, I'd make an argument for this being the best five songs in a row up mm. until this point. Mm. Interesting. So to do that, we'll have to go to track number two, oh. <laughs> which is interesting mm. because this is the first time on a tragically hit record that I'm aware of anyway, mm-hmm. where springtime in Vienna is actually connected to um, gift shop. If you're listening to it on headphones, and you're listening to it cranked way up. Mm. They bleed into one another. Going. Yeah. The, the outro of um, gift shop is the, uh, is the intro of, of uh, springtime. Ah, yeah. And, and this is a moment too. I think springtime in Vienna being, if it and connected like that is even more important that this is track two. This is like gift shop opens you up, sets your tone, uh-huh. and then springtime in Vienna lets you know how things are going to be. It starts with the loneliest drummer in the world. That's right. You know, and the band just saunters in. That's right. Piece by piece. Yeah. And the uh, song gets there. It gets big. But it starts way, way back. It's stripped down. It's, it, you, you have to like lean into this song. Yeah. Because they're playing it and you're like, what, what's that? What's that, Paul Langlois? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't quite hear you. And then you're like, oh, and, and Gord, you're in there? And yeah. and he is. And he's got his little shaker at this point, yeah. and, um, which is new, mm-hmm. as far as I know, where he's starting to do things on stage other than just be the most hellacious, amazing front man right. ever. Right. He starts with this, uh, it was an egg shaker, I mm-hmm. think, and then it went into a banana shaker. Right. 
And then he started playing the guitar and right. we'll talk about that probably the next record or the next record. Mm-hmm. But, um, God, yeah. Springtime in Vienna. We live to survive our paradoxes. What Ooh. is this? What is, what is this song saying to you? Well, I mean, again, this is a, such a huge period of change for me, you know, as you're ending your teens, becoming That's a 20, so... 20-something person, yeah. which is such a weird fucking thing to go through. Yeah. And my high school experience was both amazing and horrible, you know, and uh, and I couldn't wait to be fucking done and out and not like in a, here I go, but it was just like, get me away from this. Like, I, there's been too much mess, you know, and I was excited to not live at home anymore so that was great um so the the idea of living to survive anything particularly our paradoxes was just such a was such a optimistic great sigh of sadness like like (laughs) i wanted to be optimistic but in like a really negative way you know (laughs) so (laughs) this was perfect (laughs) that's great Uh, yeah it just this was this was the tone this was the thing this is like if 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 day for night is the psychedelic adventure exploration like this is the hangover and it's glorious you know like it's it's like the redness is almost the sun rising on your you know sleep deprived eyes it's it's maybe that's the trouble at the hen house that it's you know the 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 the, the night at the the end of the day for night was far too long and here's the end of it uh yeah yeah this song creeps in with oh yeah Uh, so that's where i am with this that's what this is to me does that make sense yeah i think yeah i think so yeah Rumors are that this is Gord's favorite song. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. And this does strike me as, you know, once we, I think we'll probably do a, a record covering the Gord records, right? We'll, we'll probably do an episode we, covering we, the... Yes, we have to. Yeah, okay, I mean, good. It'll come for a couple of years. I think maybe we'll either... I don't know. But we, this, we can do what we want, man. Yeah, But we true. might pair them with the... They're not at the same time as a hip album, are they? I don't think so. Year in between, something like that. We'll get to them. We should just do a Gord episode with with Probably. just his records. Probably. Maybe we don't do track for track, but yeah, yeah. Tell us what you what want. Just yeah, tell yeah. Us. What do you want? What do you, you want? How do you think it should go, people? Um, I mean, we can do it chronologically. But what I was going to say is, if you listen to this song, if you take it away from the rest of the record, it does sound really different from anything this band has done thus far. Yeah, like really different, and it feels a bit more Gordani. I don't know whether. You know, the band put it together and they and um, and he loved it or whether he was more instrumental in, in helping put it together. I know that the title apparently comes from when they were recording uh, up to here in Memphis and they were walking in Memphis and Paul Langlois overheard a German couple say that Memphis felt like springtime in Vienna. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. And they thought that that was a really funny phrase. Um, so they used that as the title for this. Interesting. Yeah, I, uh, there's a lot of, well, there's so much darkness in this, too. Oh, God, yeah. You know, and just the, the, the blues are still required. And I, and I, I say that like, a lot. I wonder, what's what, if required for what? And which blues? What, what, what do you mean? Like, well, and, and are those the instructions that he's yeah, talking about? Yeah, the yeah, instructions yeah. from the manual could have been more clear. The yeah. blues are still required. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know whether those are meant to be taken together or... I, there's so oh, and then even territorial piss post is that is that like a subtle <laughs> is that like a subtle Nirvana reference? Uh, yeah, I wondered the same thing because it's not it's not the only 
yes. uh, reference to that on this album. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This It's a mysterious song, and I feel like as much as Gift Shop is the swinging in statement of this isn't Day for Night, and then this is the statement of like, and this is this album. That's right. You know? So it's almost like the epilogue, uh, and this is the... Uh, the um God, the forward. Yes. Yeah. Chapter one. If this is a book, you see what we're doing here, people? Yeah. And uh, and then there you go. Ahead by a century. Yeah. What what can you say about Ahead by a Century? Well, uh, I think famously we know uh, now the the boots that Gord wore on the final tour uh, had the lyrics to this song inscribed on the souls. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. And this is the final song they played. Yeah. You know, I wondered a bit what it would be. I, I, like, I think we all knew it. that's going to be the last song they play. Oh, right? man. I'm going to get vocalamped here. I know. It's intense. But like, what else could it be? Yeah. This is a, this is a big monster, monster yeah. hit song. Yes. Makes you wonder if they play this song on SNL, you know? Right. Is it, is it, it, do they get talking about this they don't, they don't come back there. Yeah. You know? so it's like, yeah, maybe is this... And I wonder, like, you know, if if if, if people elsewhere <laughs> who don't really know what why Canada is losing their minds over losing this person, you know, if they don't come across the music and hear this track, there's about maybe five or six I would pick to be like, if somebody heard this out of context, and be like, or or just with some curiosity, of like, well, what the fuck is going on over there that these Canadians are losing their minds? You know, how can you not resonate with it? And uh, I'll tell you a story. Uh, All right, hit me. Resonating, I'll tell you a story. In 1996, I was uh, slowly developing a uh, relationship with my dad, who I didn't really know. And uh, he was a musician, and so we bonded quite a bit over music. And I had gone down to uh, Wisconsin to visit him, and uh, he wanted to know what I was into, you know. We talked about some stuff and the classics and shit like that, and like talked about the Beatles and Zeppelin and blah 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 blah. But he's like, "But what are you listening to?" Because he likes Nirvana, <clears throat> and knew that I was into that and that kind of stuff. I'm like, "Well, you know, this is you know, this is '96 now." And explored anyway. So I made a mixtape to go down there with, just like here's a whole load of shit I listened to. So this is more probably probably this time period is more around '97. Maybe even 98, honestly. Uh, and uh, so we were driving from, I had gone to Chicago to see my brother, and my dad picked me up there, and we drove from Chicago to Madison, which is about a three-hour drive. And so I got to play him, like, two 90-minute mixtapes. And some stuff, and he was pretty straightforward. I'm like, eh, I don't like this. Or like, this is a good song, or whatever. And then uh, we hit Head by a Century. And he's like, what is this? I'm like, well, this is Canadian. <laughs> This is uh, this is huge uh, in Canada. This is really really big, but it just doesn't gone here for whatever reason. And he was like an enormous Beatles freak, and he lost it over the tune. I was like, "This is really? amazing." And I'm like, "I know, right?" And he's like, "This is remarkably good. How? Why doesn't this play here?" I'm like, "I don't know. We are, we all wonder in Canada why this doesn't catch here." But uh, and it was awesome. And I always kind of think of that song a little bit, or I always think of that moment a little bit when I hear that song. It's like how cool it was. And like, I, I wanted to impress him, you know, I mean, like I listen to cool shit, you know? And like the thing that he most latched onto the song that most caught his ear was 
without question ahead by a century. If anything else I was listening to of, you know, I, I don't know what Sonic Youth I'd put on there and some other stuff, you know, and that I was into in the time, Dinosaur Jr. and things like that. And But yeah, he it, it really caught him. And as I think the melody, the tone, the production, the, 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 the balance of a lead and backing vocal through those impressive choruses, like... Uh, it's remarkable, and it, I think it is. Of it doesn't sound like the Beatles, but it's of a Beatles quality of that kind of professionalism. When you're in so fully in your stride as a group of musicians working and writing together, like you just fucking nail it. And this is this is the sound of a band nailing it with honesty, and it's too much. Oh my God, what a song! Sorry, no, <laughs> that was longer than I anticipated, but. That's um, what you say about this song. Yeah, that's it's a of head course that's what you this, say and about this. And of course, this is how they end. song <laughs> you know so i'll tell you the first time i heard this song yeah it was at cops coliseum oh fuck did it you was, hear this live for the first time i heard it live for the first time oh in the middle of a jam well, of course and it wasn't as defined like the guitar parts obviously weren't as mm-hmm. defined like i i think i think it's bobby Baker plays it with a capo mm-hmm. and like yeah. it's it's intricate yeah, there's balance. So, so it was a little bit, it, it was rougher. Yeah. And lyrically, it was definitely rougher. The lyrics, and I remember them vividly to this day, were, and I quote, first thing we climb a tree, and maybe then we'll talk. I touch your cunt. You touch my cock. <laughs> then maybe marriage. Then maybe man and wife. No dress rehearsal. This is our life. Wow. Yeah. And I, I just... I hadn't heard him talk that way before. Sure, and I was just like, "You just dropped two of the big coarsers, yeah. coarser, <laughs> coarser swear words." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, I fucking love what you just said. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do with this, you know. And then he went from that to the hornets yeah. being smoked out, and and uh, to to have this come out as a record 
when I when I heard this on the record years later, a couple, mm-hmm. couple years later, that would have been ninety four, right. maybe ninety five. Uh, when I heard this on the record, and and I heard them play it, I was just like, uh, "Oh my god, is this going to be? Is he going to say what he says?" And, yeah, and clearly he doesn't. Right. Um, just amazing. Just yeah. just really amazing that he could take this memorable moment for me and turn it into something far better and mm-hmm. far less crass. Um, but still so meaningful and so deep. And I, and I know that, you know, the, the band used this as their last song. I bet you this is one of the most tattooed lyrics. Sure. In, in Canada. Oh my God. You know, um, no dress rehearsal. This is our life for weddings. People love this song. This is just, this is a, this is a monster fucking The last hit. line of this song. Is, okay. And disappointing you is getting me down. Oh my God. Oh, come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, and that's the thing is it, it's delivered so well that uh, to have such a earnest, painful note at the end of this beautiful song, which has dark moments in it as well, but it's Revenge so fucking honest, you know, it and, stings. And it's, it's, uh, I remember feeling like, man, he's a great singer. Like he really, I feel like there was a, a point. Uh, some, the, the Gord reached something with this song as a, a vocalist, where there are these great uh, runs that he has, and it really opens things up. Uh, particularly these, the, the choruses. The choruses. Like, when you are, try and sing along with them, like, oh, it, this isn't. You really gotta. You gotta put something on this. To you gotta get it done. Yeah, you know? sing it out. This there. is some uh, Bowie projection, you know, like it's a uh, that 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 full voice uh, upper timber which is like hard to do and really have and to keep it pretty oh man he's just so great yeah, yeah. he was and so he, so great if you don't know what i'm talking about uh uh just uh, think about your own voice sounds next time you sing along with tonight we smoke them out yeah yeah <laughs> that's not an easy little run there with that kind of power behind it and again the langlois backup vocal is wonderful yeah, as well yeah wow. yeah um Need a cigarette. Yeah, right? Oh, man, that's what I was doing in 96. I was <laughs> fucking smoking butts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> man alive. Yeah. Um, so let's... Uh, and this is... Uh, what a moment this is. And, and this is... I, I, I was trying to actually... I hope I... <laughs> so in talking about lasting through the 90s uh, and, I, and how all this stuff that we're talking about from 96 is like new artists or... Like a very few people who are like still hanging around and like fuck Jesus you could Jones. Really all, yeah, fuck Jesus Jones. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, take EMF with you. Uh, <laughs> 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 so lasting is so hard, and to to reach this point, which should be uh, your we could phone it in now album, and to hit this kind of home run. This song is so good. This album could suck. And it wouldn't matter. Thankfully, it doesn't, but it could. So to 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 have this band on this trajectory and this journey we've been on with them, and this kind of closeness we're developing, and this kind of nationalism we feel with them, this this huge lead up, and like, what are they going to do? We had this album. Oh my god, they changed again. It's so good. And what's it going to be? Oh, maybe the best song they've ever fucking written. It it was it was landing. It, it landed like. 
This is far less emotional sounding, but it landed like T2. <laughs> There's no bigger like uh, anticipation, hype machine, and then delivery than Terminator 2 in 91. It was enormous. That was it. Like, it was perfect. Gigantic. It was like, I, this yeah. is the, the previews were like, this is the best movie you're ever going to fucking see. You know, if you don't see it, you're going to die. And then you saw it and went, oh, I would have died if I didn't see that. It was perfect and thank you. And you were right. And this is just that, like, the, every, like so much anticipation, so much buildup. Our hearts are swelling. And then it's just the perfect landing. It just, yeah, it's bliss. Yeah. It's bliss. You know? So song number four. Hmm. Lots to unpack in this one. My good Lord, yes. Don't wake daddy. much i love this song uh this is a this is a big hip tune for me this is a big one for me as well um and it's changed for why over the years which is always oh, fun with like a great song for you you know where yeah it, it, it grows with you yeah and this song grew with me for sure and and this is another one of his moments as a writer that i was just ah you know, I just want to yep. kiss this guy. Amazing. Perfectness. Thoughtful. Kind of funny. Kind of, I don't know what he's talking about, but I really want to understand her. I wish I was smarter. Um, and this is, this felt like the you, moment in a hangover. If, if day for night is the explosion and this is the hangover, it's not just the hangover of coming from that album but this is the beginning of the hangover of the 90s and this is the fucking soundtrack to the the hangover of the nirvana thing and the heights and depths and tragedy of that and it changed music but did it change it enough and and where we land and we look at what that means for listeners and youth and what's to come? Uh, the, this is the soundtrack to The Hangover fully for me. And I, I feel like in many ways the centerpiece of the album. Um, 
Well, we started off with that really great bass groove. Oh, God. Right? It comes in and it, it captures you right away. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. this is something that is brand new but familiar. Yeah. You know, you guys yeah. have oh, done, you guys like have, you guys have done like... this to me before. Yeah. With this sort of sucking me in with this bass, you know, this bass. Groove is probably the wrong word, but you know, like it, there's something. No, it's a groove. There's a groove to this song for sure. And then, and then those vocals come in, and that that first reference slapped you across the face, really, right? Mm-hmm. The reference, the reference to Kurt Cobain being uh, thought of as a reincarnated sled dog. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Um, when we were first talking about doing this podcast, I threw out a suggestion of name for it to be sled dogs after dinner which is a great name we, and also but a little bit too inside baseball yeah I think. you got to make this thing accessible <laughs> for christ's sakes but, <laughs> but because i was just like you know i was trying to dig in like what what things really hang with me when i think of the happen like in my relationship to them what stands out and i was like 100 percent the opening lines and the opening stanza of this song is well behind enormous. the curtain what it was like two months of us trying to think of a name yeah. right <laughs> You gotta, then, fuck, it's got to be right, man. And then all of a sudden one day we're just like, yeah. oh, wait a minute. No, it's got to be this. <laughs> Obviously it's this. Um, but yeah, uh, sled dogs after dinner close their eyes on the howling wastes. Kirk Cobain reincarnated, sighs, and licks his face. Um, we're, like, it's that... Try, trying to work a Kirk Cobain, like, not just an, an illusion too. But referencing him directly by name at this time and having it work is such a difficult thing to do. And have it not be either overwrought or something or melancholy or disrespectful. And this is just not this, disrespectful. At no, all. it isn't. It's th- it's so thoughtful and it is thoughtful. Perfectly throwaway in a way. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why I don't think it's throwaway. No, oh, please. And well, why I think it's yeah. yeah. Do, do you know this one uh, about the double booking? No, about okay, Penny, right. the lyric from Penny Royalty. Oh, please. Okay, so there's a lyric in Penny Royalty, and the lyric is this. This comes from the Hip Museum mm-hmm. uh, in their references section. This is not an original Jamie Do Find. I right, wish okay. the fuck it was though. That's, that's okay. Because this is so cool. Uh-huh. This makes everything change. The lyric in Penny Royalty is, "Give me a Leonard Cohen afterworld so I can sigh eternally." Mm-hmm. Oh, now he's a sled dog that's been reincarnated, and he sighs and licks his face. Wow, interesting. So it's almost like, hey, Kurt, hope everything is cool out there with you. Yeah, hope you're, you know, drifting in the Serengeti or the depths of Sleepy Hollow yeah. too. It's such a perfect little thing to think of. Oh like, I found God. it comforting in my reeling from that to think of him that way, which is, I don't know, that's what I, for me it was fine. Uh, but the double booking, tell about uh, tell that story because that's really fascinating. That there's a there's a, a yeah, tragically they, uh, Nirvana uh, reference before. Yeah, they wound up playing a show together somewhere. Doesn't say the city. Uh, I didn't see no, the city. No, well, uh, okay. So I have to actually pick my brain. There's a bit more than what I can just like dig up on the internet. But they they, they play the same venue in the states, and. Um, and uh, Gord went to introduce himself and like say hi to Kurt or whatever, but Kurt Cobain was passed out on a pool table in the back <laughs> yeah. of the bar. Um, 
And so that was his first experience with him. It's just like there was all this anticipation or just at least mutual respect of some kind. I don't even know right. how big Nirvana would have been at this point. I do. Well, the hip was playing second. So yeah. So, well, yeah, but it's the States. Okay. So, fair right. enough. Um, I was reading something and I wish I, this is too train too like lost train of thought here, but I, I do know Nirvana and the hip played somewhere in like Madison or Milwaukee, Wisconsin in front of like, you know, a hundred people or something Holy like, shit. super early on. Anyway. Um, so it's kind of neat. Their paths kind of crossed and there were, cause this was our, I mean, as much as when they were touted to be as a breakout band, Sloan, when underwhelmed was a big deal and smeared was coming out. It's like Canada's answer to Nirvana. That's right. And maybe, but not really. No, like, I don't know. Our answer to like pavement a little bit. And maybe, kind of shoegazy, but not really. Um, no disrespect to Sloan at all. Uh, no Sloan. Um, well, that I'm just thinking of that first record, but this, the, 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 the true response to, what the '90s meant, and that's the energy. It really was the hip, and was like if there's anything that was going to work or fit all, it kind of checked all the boxes because it can share some DNA with Nirvana. It never, yeah. not the heaviness, not the the uh, not the out of control, um, but the Beatles songwriter that lives within Kurt Cobain, you know, and a clear uh, shared DNA with something like Pearl Jam. As well as the misunderstanding of the band, too, because there are people who misunderstand Pearl Jam and there are people who misunderstand the hip. That I think that is their most common bed, you know? Um, and so they could dabble in all these things that we were, you know, yearning for in the 90s. Maybe that's why they were so big for us. Um, but I, yeah, we get, we're getting a little away from uh, Don't Wake Daddy. Well, it's, it, the song just makes your brain wander. It, it, yeah. You're, you're on a sled. You're on a sled being pulled by fucking Kurt Cobain. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then the stark, painfully clear lives of parents, you know, they rest their heads on their futon beds so many miles from home. You teach your children some fashion sense and they fashion some of their own. Oh, oh God. And that, that's the thing. When I thought about I thought that was just a great line for many years. And now I am a parent. And that line deeply affects me. I don't yeah. have any, a child anywhere near college, but I remember myself on my first bed away from home, my futon and my departure from whom I was, you know, and, and I think of my daughter and I, you know, that, uh, that <laughs> and listen, it has a big effect on me. <laughs> well, this is what this band does though. They get, well, this is it. And they, I, they find a way in your pores yeah. and they affect your DNA. And I don't want to come across schmaltzy through this episode. I'll do my best not to, but I mean, this is a very like emotional record for me for the hip. This was a, a time of change for me and an album of reflection that I go mm-hmm. back to with aged reflection because, th- and this is them, they're becoming parents now and they're aging, uh, you know, and they're mature songwriters now. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of emotion caught up in it. So I'm so glad you feel that way. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't sure whether this would be one where we might start to veer apart a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, because I know that there are some people that when this record came out, they were like, um, they were sort of jumping off. Right. And they were like, uh, no, I'm, think go- I'm, going ba- I'm going back to Road Apples. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, fine. I, yeah, it's great. But this was, not for me, I was just like, well, this is, they, they just, this is here, magnificent. Here's another classic. Yeah. Uh-huh. Another classic. 100%. And I was immediately into it. There, there was no you know, growing pains. Um, yeah. Don't Wake Daddy. 
I, the, the mystique, uh, I, 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 this is, I feel like this is, with, while being so distinct to this album, I feel like this is almost a, like quintessential hip, how this thing works with misdirection of lyrics and then the mystique and mystery and uh, clear things you can latch on to and then things that leave you wondering, well, what are we really talking about here? Um, as good as it gets. I think so. I did an informal poll on a yes, on a yes, yes. on a website earlier today, and um, I asked people what their favorite lyric was from House. Oh. and I was surprised and delighted uh-huh. that so many people chose lyrics from this song. Yeah, the the Cobain reference, the Futon Bed reference, yes. like the Fashion Sense bracket, uh, uh-huh. reference, and then other like really uh, obtuse lyrics from the mm. song too the way the gosh the way the song fades out it's mm-hmm. um it's the perfect time to sing yeah um something along those lines yeah and it's people love this song yeah i, this, I didn't know like i, I didn't this either was such, well, a song this is a was so close to me and it wasn't a single uh, i don't think no i don't think so either no. um, check here. certainly not a, a, a like a, a famous hip tune as far as i thought nope. like so it was one that I just like really carried close to my heart. Like, well, that, I guess that's my hip joint, you know. And uh, I, I was really like tickled to see you put up the poll too. Um, like, uh, which Henhouse song would you play for somebody who'd never heard the band before? And I was surprised how high uh, "Don't Wake Daddy" was. I'm yeah, like, well, that's me great. Too. I kind of thought this was one of the because I understand. You know, years later, I was to understand that people weren't crazy about this album initially. You know, and so uh, which I find just so fucked and stupid and. Uh, this is a uh, a work of you know high accomplishment. All music gave this two out of right? five. Yeah, two yeah, out yeah. of five stars. That's insane. To what me. that is insane. What kind of drugs oh, are they on? My lord! Uh, but I'm so uh, pleased. Uh, it w- there was like a, a weird comfort in it, you know, like um, oh, us, we're all together, right? To know that this song was important to so many people. Um, that, I don't know. I found that really uh, comforting. Um, and let's talk about complicated, because the next track is flamenco. This is so. This is my favorite song on the record. Yeah, um, I don't know if this is the one I'll take away, but this is sure. my favorite song on the record. Yeah, or, no, or, or uh, yeah maybe it was that. my first favorite song on the record. Uh, uh-huh. 
Um, yeah, I, I love this song. This song, again, is just a collection of great gordisms and phrases and mm. and uh, and beautiful music. Yeah. I've thought about this song many times. Every time I listen to it, I'm really trying to figure it out. Because it's breathtaking, breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. The melody is gorgeous. The tone is sublime. It's so wonderfully sad. Um, but in a cozy, cozy way. And I, 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 I'm, I always try and wrap my head around what's going on here. And so I, I don't know if this is, there's no, uh, you know, searching at the museum after dark, trying to figure it out. For me, I've always kind of felt like there are two things going on. We, we, he talks about, does it uh, exhibit your natural tendency for love? Does it exhibit your natural tendency for hate? Two sides of that. And there are, there are two, two halves of this song. And, I, and now I kind of feel like the first half of the song deals with negative reinforcement of like thought and emotion reinforcement that men receive as you're growing up. You have to walk like a matador. And there's the posturing, whoa, masculine thing you have to achieve. And then the second half of the song is the result of that, either what women hear or what men who have fallen into that say. Um, And, yeah, I don't know. That's that's where I land with this song. I don't know how right that is, uh, but for me... What's right for you? That's what I think about. And, like, it feels so... Because there is such a confusing thing with what you're taught as you grow up, you know. And like this, you know, if you're wanting to meet women when you're young or talk to girls, everyone's like, "You got to be confident. You got to get out there." And, you know, and it, and that's it, it, right in a sense, but it also leads to the you know the most awful kind of behavior in all kinds of ways. Um, anyway, so I don't know. That's what I think about when I listen to flamenco. What do you what do you think about? <laughs> well. I mean, for me, I think of it as, a, like, again, a collection of really great lyrics. I don't know that I've got a narrative formed completely, but I know that it is, there is something going on structurally, mm-hmm. right? When he talks about a natural tendency to hate and a mm-hmm. super capacity. Super, sorry, yeah, super capacity. And um, I think Gord Downey has a lyric in this song, maybe a prostitute could teach you how to take a compliment. Yeah. That's one of those lyrics that you write and you put your pen down and you take your tie off <laughs> and you fold your jacket over the chair yeah. and unbuckle your French cuffs. Yeah. Shirt comes off and you jump into bed and yeah. you, you don't even have to wake up again. No, no. You're good. Yeah. And You're then fucking good. So good. And then to follow it with not maybe not as well written a line. But to follow it with, maybe I'll go to New York, I'll drag you there. He said, no one drags me anywhere. And so, well written, yes, but delivery, 150%. This song just kills it. It I just die with his delivery Mm -hmm. of the no one drags me anywhere. And I love it so deeply. Yeah. It's so strong and so sturdy and not huge. It's just firm. And yeah, I could just oh, I could listen to it every day. It's definitely been in my rotation. You know, I don't know how you prepare for these shows, but I I listen to the record front yeah. to back, front oh, to back, oh, front to back, time. front to back. Yep, and then I cherry pick, and yeah. uh, you know, one hundred percent. God, yeah, and I, and I I dig more into the songs that I haven't listened to as men as much as the others. You know, um, 
Which with these earlier albums is, uh, I had some cassette, so I was forced to listen to the record, you know. So I don't ye- want to waste battery power rewinding and fast forwarding. That's crazy. So you have the cassette world then. Yeah. You've just had these five songs in a row. Mm. And then you and flip now over. And now you're ready to okay. end the first side. And move on. With 700 Foot Ceiling. about 700 foot ceiling i don't feel great about it i feel like this derails the album for coming out of flamenco okay so we talked a bit about our songs maybe down the line that we don't like as much sure um i have grown to appreciate this song i think it has a clever vocal delivery and interesting hook but rolling out of flamenco this is just like like it's, it's shocking. If it was somewhere else on the album, I'd probably like it more. But because it follows Flamenco, it feels so wrong and it's abrasive and it just it doesn't fit where I am at the end of Flamenco. And I can I've heard Flamenco thousands of times, but every time when it ends, this is not what I want. No, this isn't <laughs> this isn't it. And I don't know what song on this record if I'm resequencing it, I don't know what I replace it with. But this is a, this is a little bit of a misstep. A bit, yeah. And um, uh, and I'm not. I like the song. song just. I like the song just fine. It's fine. It's a good tune. I mean, it, I think I now, like it. We moved away. Like there it. are no more. I'll be leaving yous. Right. That doesn't are. happen anymore. That's right. But there, if they are anything, they're this to me. And this, like, like it's good. It's it's got some really interesting lyrics um, that I I would I lost forever because I wasn't prepared for the tone of the song. Yeah. Um, from where it landed on the album. Oh, God. Yeah, you just, again, you've got this big sweeping end to flamenco. Yeah. Right? Like, he holds that vocal, which he doesn't do very often. No. And it sweeps up, and then... Like, it's just... Mm. This is the first straight-up, like, rocker yeah. on this record. Oh, yeah. And maybe this this is more evocative of Foley or Road Apples. Sure. I, I don't know. But yeah. it just does not work in this spot. No. That chorus is dynamite. It's great. Yeah. And it's fun. Yeah. And clever and hard to think of how you would come up with singing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, this one just, it's its a misstep sequencing wise. I, yes. I swear to you. Yeah. And yet this was a fucking single as well. This Was, was the, it? This was the third single was of the, the record. The third single. This is their ballad. Get out. <laughs> yeah. 700 foot well, ceiling. Well, they opened with, a, with an up-tempo then, ballad. Then Flamenco. Hmm. Flamenco was a fucking single? And so was Springtime in Vienna. Bizarre, and so was the first song on the second side of the cassette when we flip it over. Mm. Yes, of course it was. But swiggling, but swiggling.
This song I do not like. I don't like this song. No. Either. I'll tell you why I like it a little bit now. Okay. Yeah, go. Because this is, I've always avoided this song. I felt like it was weird. doesn't fit with this album. It just, it seems, it feels like a B-side to a single that somehow made it onto a record. Um, and it's not, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like uh, late period dire straits by way of tragically hip. That's that's good. I get that. And there's nothing wrong with that. I well, like Dire Straits. I like Mark Knopfler just fine. She's fine. Just fine. Very clever uh, songwriter. And I just, I mean, man, did I skip the shit out of this song. Me too. Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, it's like, and particularly, I'm still in my hangover of like, what are you doing after flamenco? And now this too? That's right. I, uh, this bump in this record? Fucking spoiled side beyond this for me for ages. Yeah. Uh, this is a weird way to start. Like, again, I haven't put a, a whole lot of thought into, fit. into into the record idea yeah. of, of this. Mm-hmm. But when you say you end the first side with 700 foot ceiling and begin the second side with butt swiggling, I'm like, yeah. what? What? Super weird. what is this? Anyway, the only thing that redeems it for me, yes. for me, yes. is that it was uh, in the Kids in the Hall movie. Exactly. Why? Uh, it was wonderful you mentioned that. About five years ago, something like that, I went and saw a uh, live reading of Brain Candy with the Kids in the Hall. What? Yes. They did a live reading of the script. And they did all the characters and all kinds of shit. And I was like, I've seen this movie like a hundred times. I know every joke. Is it going to be interesting to watch these guys do it just on stage? And oh my God, yes, it was. It was fucking remarkable. Oh, that's so lucky I laughed that you got my to go. ass off at jokes that I know inside and out because they were having fun with it, you know. And Dave Foley kept leaving stage and wandering back. I was like, just a guy, you know. <laughs> All kinds of fun stuff. And, like, they really hit, they, they, you know, and the audience was really receptive, which I think kind of fired them up, too, because the movie was, like, kind of a big deal, but kind of not. And, like, I, don't, I, I know some people weren't nuts about it, but yeah. I loved it when it a came out. A lot of this record. And I've always loved it. And, of course, Butts Wiggling is on there, and it fits in with the tone of uh, the movie. So, anyway, uh, seeing it live was fantastic, and uh, I was in a Starbank convenience store about a week later um, buying ice for the bar I worked in, and uh, 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 Mark McKinney was in line in front of me. Mark McKinney shops at Starbank? Buying ice cream. The one uh, near Kensington? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Because I, I worked at Rancho Right, of Relaxa. course. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You didn't go and, all over uh, Hell's right. And I'm standing there in line, and I'm like, Mark McKinney is in line in front of me. And I'm like, I don't bug fucking, if I'm near a celebrity, I don't do a, a thing. But I was like, no, man, I'm sorry. And I, I just saw him do the thing. And I was like, uh, I just saw you do the Brain Candy live read. It, it was amazing. And he's like, oh, you liked it? And we're like, we had a moment where it was very nice. He was like, oh, we weren't sure if it would work well. I'm like, no, it worked great. Like, the energy was so good, and you know, we, we were, you know, the anticipation from us as an audience is so good. And you guys really, like, it seemed like you were having fun. I was like, yeah, we really were. And then, like, the conversation was done. 
but we're both still standing there. And like, there was definitely a thing of like, he was like, I just want to buy my ice cream and leave. <laughs> and I was like, anyway, thank you for a wonderful night. And he was like, great, okay. <laughs> oh, he played that so, as well. Super nice. Um, he was a super nice guy uh, to meet in a uh, convenience store line. At the, uh, there was a lot of music going on. Members of Sloan are playing stuff on the side of the stage and playing music during the show. And then, of course, but Gord came out dressed head to toe in denim. God bless him. Yeah, fucking A. Canadian tuxedo. And, uh, and they played Butt Swiggling. And I just wow. like, I was having such a great time. I was already at such a high. And then. So Sloan played the fucking, music and well, Gord's Sloan. Not, no, 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 no. Just not mem- all of members was, of Sloan. Ah, geez. There was um, just such people a from Sloan, people from the Sky Diggers, I want to say. Sure. Okay. And anyway, and like a little like house band. It was like a house band. How right? fun. Of some mini celebrities. And then fucking Gord rolls out and like, and let's just fucking do Butts Wiggling. And how was it live? Amazing. <laughs> Who knew? It was so good. It was so good. We should probably leave this track on a high. Yeah, and that's where, and so I'm kind of like, I got time for that. Anytime I hear that song now, I think of that night. Fair enough. And how ecstatic I was to see him on stage out of nowhere, which I, I didn't, no one knew he was going to be there. It just came out. It was superb. And, 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 and it's like the album's like, all right, sorry, where were we? <laughs> Apartment song. What an interesting, the, the, thoughtful, esoteric song this is. I think so, and I think that's really clever. <laughs> you saying that the you anthropomorphized <laughs> the album at this point <laughs> in a song that is about the anthropomorphization of an apartment, of, of yeah. an apartment right? Like <laughs> that's really cool. You are fucking deep. Ah, you you're are wonderful deep and for wonderful. putting that together. Um, Very nice. I really love this song. Oh, it's so great. Or apartment maybe. song, uh, great. I like this song for like a multitude of reasons. It's it's. Uh, it's thoughtful, it's interesting, it's creative, it has a great vibe, and it reroutes me on this album. Yeah, me too. Uh, and it was a late, it's sort of like late find, right? Because when you first get this album, you're a little top-heavy because top, the top of the album's amazing, and then you get 
slightly derailed, right? One hundred percent. It takes you time to get here. And and then back, when you finally explore, you're like, oh, <gasps> "Apartment song's amazing." Yeah, I mean, again, Gord uses these words occasionally that you're like, "What the what the fuck are you talking about?" I need a dictionary to look this up, and this is one that I looked up just today, and it's the word in this song, which is, as I can't even pronounce it, aesthete. Which is somebody who is, I wrote it down, um, somebody who is obsessed with the pursuit of beauty or admiration based on beauty. Oh, right. Interesting. And um, it's this person with the horriblest feet, right? But but she shows them off to everybody. Right. So that they're like, oh, your feet aren't that. Like in my head. Yeah. "Your, Your feet aren't that bad. Yeah, yeah. But even her apartment is not down with her. Right. Because as soon as they hear the clicking of the key. Yeah. You know, they're all having their fun, they're doing their stuff, and then the clicking of the key, and it's the horrible aesthete yeah. is back. Yeah. And it's like... This Gord, song is crazy. Fucking genius. This is like a Frank Zappa song. This is nuts. No <laughs> big rock band should be writing this song. <laughs> Frank Zappa? Wow. Yeah, it's out there. Deep this pulp? is crazy th- themes to use. This is nuts. And no band operates this way. No band is doing anything like this, you know? And that's uh, great and adventurous, which is such a, a, a lost thing. And it was already lost at this time to be this bizarre at the peak of your career. Yeah, I would say. You know? These guys are... And, but and with the cleverness is you don't even know it's bizarre until you really look. Really look. At this song in particular? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. You got to yes. dig into these lyrics and we go, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Is this about feet? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know? sir. I'm afraid it is. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Um, yeah, I dig that. I dig this song. Yeah, what's well, not the like apartment song? Next track is Coconut Cream. So Coconut Cream would be the other song that I, for whatever reason, most of the time, do not like. I am astonished, and I fucking love Coconut Cream. It's that lyric. It's 40 gallons in a steady stream, coconut yeah. cream. It just seems so bratty. Like, it seems like, you know, like I can picture the guys out singing and dancing to this song, and their their hands are behind their head, and yeah, they're, like, yeah, yeah, shooting yeah. their dicks off. And it's Sure, like, but it is, but it's like... But then the next verse goes into great, great things, but yeah. I'm... But I'm so caught up in this first oh, verse man. and watching people in the yeah, in the grass. I took it in set. the most cynical way in the world because this this sounds like a Sonic Youth song to me. Oh, all right, tell me that riff. Listen to the riff. It's a fucking. This is like dirty era hundred hundred percent Sonic yeah. Youth. You know, like a particularly uh, Sugarcane and uh, Purr from those records. This thing of like 
it's 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 cooking, but it's weird. There's this weird groove in it, and that that uh, the the guitar riff is such a alternative anthemy riff, and it like it really really ties me into Thurston Moore, um, which is why I liked it so much. I'm like, this is like I feel like oh they were I think they were listening to Sonic Youth when they fucking went after this one, and I liked that thought of the coconut cream and like how uh, this examination of that culture a little bit, you know, and like. Uh, with Sonic Youth, like cool thing, uh, looking at uh, uh, toxic masculinity, you know, um, in uh, in music and and, and in hip hop and in rock, and uh, yeah, so I I felt like it was this little bit of a observation on it as opposed to a celebration of it. I never felt like I'm gonna lather up my coconut cream and <laughs> yeah, I guess I got I got out there. I got too wrapped up in that. Like I, I I'm at fault here. Like so, I will give it's the okay. song the benefit of the doubt, sure, and say that this band is far too good to have a song that I think is doing something that clearly it can't be doing because the second verse is so clever, yeah, and so wonderful, yeah, and um, re-examining this record, like listening to it the way I have the last couple of weeks, yeah, I I, I like it much 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 better now mm-hmm. and i know yeah. that i was being much more more hard on it than i should have um but uh first first couple years listening to this record i would probably this would be a skipper for me sure yeah 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 i dig it and you know uh i don't know where she read it some poll somewhere on facebook uh my wife athena was the she uh, was reading some poll of the, the hip and it's like, and what hip song would most likely make you dance? And I don't really dance, but and I was like, oh, fuck, I don't know. And I, got, I was trying to think and I'm like, what would make me? But if I think about it honestly right now, coconut cream, but like a nice uh, fucking 90s freak out kind of dance, you know, like, right. Yeah, I, I need my Doc Martens though. With like, <laughs> huh? Some like plaid pants and suspenders or something. I'm not sure. Uh, something of my, uh, my crazy youth, but yeah, I, I I adore coconut cream, and yeah, uh, am I wrong? Does anyone else hear Sonic Youth in it? Because I totally hear Sonic Youth in it. I definitely hear it in that. Ch- I can't. I wish I could make a guitar yeah, sure. sound with my mouth. Well, you but, can't. But right. As soon as you said it, so I was Sonic like, Youth. You can't do it. It's yeah. Like weird tuning. Yeah. Yeah. That I'm that that telling you it's there. It's purr and sugar cane. Let's stay engaged. I like this song. Uh, who doesn't? Yeah, it's this is a and yes, a really well, yes, please. Let's stay. Yeah. Right. Till we meet again, it's still 
Yeah, let's let's engage. Uh, I feel like this is a nice culmination of everywhere we've been on the album a little bit. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that. It's like here, it's all coming together, and like we get how to write like this, and I, there's a confidence of his in his vocal on this album. Oh yes, right, yes, and he's experimenting, but with extreme confidence. Yes. Um, or well, I don't know about confidence, but his voice has become his voice has become an instrument at this point yeah, for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. Let's stay engaged. It's just I, I, as as a sentiment song. I've always liked it. I, I love where it fits in this album, and like I'm coming off of my kind of like fun like. I don't know, uh, uh, '90s freak out of coconut cream, and I like this, like this sort of we- weirdly mature song in "Let's Stay Engaged." And like, I like the idea. It's not, you know, the, the idea of staying engaged and not marrying is not necessarily mature, but I, it comes of experience of relationship. If that makes any sense? Yeah. Um, and that uh, wanting to capture a moment. Funny because I have it different. I have it engaged, like engaged. Yeah. You know, like not. Is, is that what you just yeah, said? Oh, oh, that, is yeah, that no, that's where I am. Okay. Uh, in that, you know, that, 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 that little fever moment of when you are engaged and tell everyone, I'm engaged, uh, that, that kind of... Oh, see, I'm not, mar- I'm not using engaged as marriage. Oh, okay, I am. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, like, oh, I'm engaged, engaged in your storytelling right yes, now. Yes, okay, yes. So and that's how I... 100% works yeah. as that as well. For me, yeah. I always looked at it by putting my own uh, assumptions on it uh, based on the word. And I loved the idea of just staying in the in the busyness of we're engaged, and I liked the, uh, I liked that sense of it. It's the same thing, though. Mm-hmm. Really, it comes down to that energy carries over because if it's whether or not you and I being engaged in conversation right. with each other and just staying there with that, or if it's being engaged to be married and we're going to live in the buzz of that moment. We're we're winding down this record in a That's really true. nice way. Nice way, let and you know who leads you places in a nice way? Oh, a God. Sherpa.
So this is another song <laughs> that would mm-hmm. be my favorite on this record. Okay, good. I was worried about Sherpa too. Because, because, you know, we've been very high on everything. We both knew we were coming with some negatives in this album. So it's funny that you say we're very high because this to me is again, this is the next step in in their marijuana oh, yeah. or whatever. Like that this song is like line? are you fucking kidding me? Oh, hanging out in the background. Like so this little touch of psychedelic on this album. And the Oh, it's I could listen to that little guitar like yes, no, yeah. no that little oh, guitar like yeah. I could listen to it all fucking day. It's haunting, yeah. it's mesmerizing. And uh, it's perfect with with the melody that he's yeah. that he's crafted yeah. here. Oh yeah, and then the lyrics, right? Staring uh, into the fire before TV. Oh my god! The remote controls on Mars. Like there are there are weird things that he is talking about in this fucking song. Mm-hmm. Um, that I I just don't I don't even understand. I don't yeah. understand, and and the only way I can understand is to. Spark up a doobie, yeah, and expand my mind a little bit. This is where we 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 fully reconnect to Dave for and I and get into a little bit of psychedelic uh, verbal exploration. I bit. think so. I think the last two songs in this record, oh yeah, really to me, yeah. could fit on Dave for Night in, in, a, in a big way. Absolutely. Um, and that little that, that thing we've been talking about, that little guitar lick, here in Sherpa, like if I was having a. Like a little like, stress out moment, like at work or somewhere, you know, it's like getting like we're in traffic, you know, just like poof, a little genie appeared next to me, and just like oh, play that line for me. I'd be like, okay, I'm all right. I love that your genies play the axe. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Don't they all? They well, that's should. Amazing. They should. I just picture uh, what's her name, Barbara Eden. Just with a flying V on. <laughs> like a tasteful flying V. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, uh, and the song almost feels like you're going to get... This is the closer. It has that vibe a bit. It's a little, you know, it's nice mid-tempo. And then we ease into our closer, which deceptive. Put it off feels like it's going to be a minute and a half. It's like a, like, um, almost like a like unplugged gems kind of totally. Yeah, like we're just gonna bum, 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 do this thing. And thanks for listening to a fucking record. Bye, bye, we're gone. But it gets bigger, and like, and this is where I, I like, I, I, I feel, I, I feel their reach either where they're listening to stuff or the, where they're on the same kind of plane as other people going on. Like this, this almost sounds like a PJ Harvey joint to me. Like, Oh wow. To bring you my love era, PJ Harvey, okay. you know, or there's this, it's, it starts like just a little slow and hypnotic thing. Like maybe it's going to be a small thing, but it, the pulse continues. It gets louder. It gets bigger. It gets bigger. Then we settle the fuck down again and we get big and big and big and big again. And it shouldn't hold my attention for five minutes, but it does because it's fucking captivating. It's, it's a great ending. Yeah.
prove that words cannot touch beauty But I was torn Yeah, because it brings it right back down to the end. But, oh man, some of the vocals, some of mm-hmm. the lyrics in this song are so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I just think of um, him saying that he played, um, I played Love Terra mm-hmm. by Eric's Trip mm-hmm. no. on the day that you were born yeah. to prove that words could not touch beauty, but I was torn. Yeah. <laughs> you oh, come son on. of a bitch. Yeah. There's, How did and there's, you do that? Come on, there's a nice Eric's trip reference in there. Um, and that ties everything together, too, right? Eric's yeah. trip? Yeah, it's a nice Canadian band. Yeah. Named after a Sonic Youth song. Oh, wow. Yeah. I did not know that. I didn't know that Eric's trip was named after a Sonic Youth song. Yeah. Uh, what, what song? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, no. Yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Okay, I'm right. So which <laughs> which Sonic Youth song is it named after? Eric's trip. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. No, no I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, Eric Strip is a deep cut on Daydream Nation. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot happening here. We're, this is like this is this is the fucking '90s hangover, man. That's what this fucking is. I I, I didn't come in here to say that that this is what this album is. Uh, it just kind of came. So I was looking at our albums and talking about what 90, 1996 is and getting there and, and whether it's coconut cream bringing me to sonic youth or this song bringing me to pj harvey and uh the accomplishment of ahead by a century the misdirection of gift shop and whatever you can take from flamenco because it can give you a lot and and then here we are and we land on an eric's trip reference which means a lot to me as my age group yeah, it doesn't like what Gord's going after. Like for at this stage, for me, it doesn't matter because I hear it and I know what Canadian man he's talking about, so it makes me feel Canadian. And I know what song he's talking about, which makes me feel cool. That's really cool. <laughs> and and there we are. And we and, and this is you know the the year punk broke. The everything it's it's the the, the whole the, all the dominoes fell. We have Kurt Cobain 
and everything's falling down the fucking mountain and here we are at the hangover of the 90s and I don't know if there's a better album to to signify the end than this. No, I don't know that there's a better record to signify it for sure. But Song, you're right. This is a... I'm just... I'm listening to it in my head right now. Yeah. How it ends and how it just sort of goes away. And... Honestly, I don't know if it's the scotch. No. But I'm it might be the scotch. <laughs> but I'm sad right now. I am too. Like I am I didn't I'm realize how much and I I'm would, sad. No, and I talked I think we talked more than we thought we would about this album. But yeah, this is a bit of a this is a dark little bookmark. Yeah. I didn't realize how much. I mean, I always knew how much it was for me, but uh, this is a uh, this is a fairly significant moment in music, as a as a listener, whether you knew it or not, or I knew it or not, it was a uh, definitely something. Jeez. Hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, the ni- end of the nineties were a complicated time. Yeah, very time and place. Yeah, very time and place yeah. for me. My 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 bubble was getting ready to burst yeah i had come to toronto i was so excited with with day for night yeah and at this point i was doing very poorly in university this was my uh, my third year and it was not happening you know my idea of being a writer was like all of a sudden i was like (laughs) i went to york as a creative writing major shifted to english literature shifted to political science because it just like it wasn't happening it wasn't working right and uh, that's where I was yeah. at this point. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a sad sort of thing. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of triumph on this record as well. There's a yeah. there's a lot of there's huge up moments. You know, you listen to Ahead by a Century, and yeah, and that's it. That's it. That's you know. That's all you need to go back to. You know. So and now you. Uh, this is going to be fucking impossible. What what are you adding to your list? No, it's not. It the, actually, it's clear to me. Is it? Yeah. It's "Don't Wake Daddy." Don't wake Daddy. That's for my you. track. That is absolutely my track. Flamenco is so right there, and "Ahead by a Century" is just it's bigger than music, so I can't really pick it. I feel the same way about "Ahead by a Century." Mm-hmm. For me, and it's because if you don't know it and it's not on your own playlist, then come on, man. <laughs> we'll get it we'll get it on there yeah come on get it so for me right now i am it's don't wait daddy gift shop yeah or flamenco mm-hmm. or sherpa yeah. and i think just based on my love of the lyric um like as a whole uh not just that one lyric but i think i have to go with flamenco i would just give you a big kiss right now <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> i would yeah. take it great no, I, I, I couldn't be happier yeah. because if i was gonna pick anything else it would be that yeah well, this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, in a different way, though. Like, yeah, this, is this heavy. was different, and it was cathartic and heavy. We were on such a like a. I felt like a day for night was a big fun buzzy episode. Yeah, and that, that, this was a lot different. This uh, is but the red. Listen, this is it, red. This, but again, it's this is the thing. These albums are connected, and this is the flip side of the coin, or the same side of two coins. What's the reference in relation to? You have to tell me now. Oh. uh... Well, it comes by way of Hamlet, but mostly directly through Orson Krantz and Golden Stern are dead. Oh, okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a wonderful Tom Stopper play. Yeah. Uh, I've just seen the movie. That yeah. I was obsessed with. And no, I'm glad you've seen the movie. Not many people have. It's a remarkable 
adaptation, actually di- directed by Tom Stoppard, so he knows what he's doing. Oh, wow. With wonderful uh, use of Pink Floyd uh, throughout it. And uh, as good of a, 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 an example of that, of taking one piece of a, a big piece of art and making your own out of it, I don't know if there's better than Rosencrantz and Goldenstern. <laughs> what are we talking about? This is a tragic way of <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If you haven't read Rosencrantz and Goldstein and Dead, read it. And if you haven't seen the movie, then, uh, well, you fucked up. So it sounds like you got some homework to do, listeners. Yeah, there's things. Before the next episode, which will be Phantom... Oh, actually, no. The next uh, the next episode will be Live Between Us. Right. And we may have a special guest for that record. We may. Yeah, so you'll have yeah. to stay tuned for that. And until then, uh, thanks for coming out. This Thank has you. Been really great. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Pick up your shit. Pick up your shit. Thanks for hanging out in my kitchen. Fully and Completely is a modern superior podcast. You can find out more information about the show at www.fullyandcompletely.ca. You can tweet us at at, at. Fully Podcast. Mm. And of course, you can find uh, more information about our show and many other fantastic shows at www.modernsuperior.com. I came in there for that. That's awesome. (laughs) This episode has been brought to you by the Modern Superior Podcast Network. 